Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, calling all Most Haunted fans, let's go back in time to the Most Haunted Lives. Do you remember? One man seemingly held it all together like glue, no matter what terrifying paranormal activity occurred, from Transylvania to Pennsylvania. I'm so happy that Mr. Paul Ross is joining me now, so let's go down memory lane. Here he is, Paul. I'm so excited. How are you? Long time no hear, see. Well, I've missed you, but great to hear your voice, Yvette. Great to hear your voice. Oh, so, as I said in, in your wonderful introduction, many, many, many um, Most Haunted fans will be absolutely delighted uh, hearing your voice because, of course, you were the man that held it together. You were the glue that, that, that held Most Haunted Live together. What was it like for you sitting there watching pandemonium sometimes unfold. Well, the thing about it was I felt initially that I was going to be always at one removed from it. But then the way the show works, as you know, I mean, the show he did from the abandoned lunatic asylum, as they used to call it, up there on the kind of Welsh Chester borders, there were things happening around us, windows smashing. You know, nobody could explain what was going on. One of my daughters was in the audience. She was absolutely petrified. She was just old enough to be in there, my youngest daughter, Hermione, who's now 24. And it, it was one of those the weird nights when you kind of think, Anything can happen. It felt like we were in touch with some other dimension. I never expected that. There was also the lovely night you, Carl, and the team decided to lock me in an abandoned morgue. You remember that? Because you know I was a bit of a skeptic. That was one of the single most terrifying, it felt like alternative. It was only, I think, about an hour and a, or an hour even. But oh, it was, I mean, you, could, you could sometimes feel something was brewing. Something, you were, I think apparently it was you. I think things followed you around. You were channeling things, I think, you bet. I, I, I just remember. You lying, like you said, in the morgue, lying there on a slab. And do you remember the knocking and the tapping that was going on around you? I do, but I also remember, because you always get accustomed to the dark, there was knocking, there was tapping. I suddenly heard rustling. There were three rats underneath the table. And I'm thinking, Ugh. I want myself in a past life to get this as a TV You just going to have to tell me, Logan. But the thing about it is, it's the one that I mean, <laughs> I've done, literally over the years, I've done, Hundreds, literally, of game shows. I did 135 episodes of Jeopardy for Sky, 120 episodes of all over the shop of the BBC. The one thing that everyone talks to me about is Most Haunted Live because it was, <laughs> there's been nothing like it before or since. And when you think we went all over the world, we went to Turin and to Prague in the Czech Republic, we went from American television to Philadelphia, and then we went to San Jose and the Mystery House. It was, it was like being a kind of a supernatural globetrotter for me. And I, and I had the easy job because when you're trying to say I held it together, 
I always thought of myself as the grouching between the tiles of the show and the audience were there. And I, I would talk to the audience, we always had a big audience. So most times had a big four or five hundred people. Like the first show I did, Guess Who Old Portsmouth, I couldn't believe it. I turned up there for the meeting, bearing in mind we were on there what, at nine o'clock that night, say. I turned up for the meeting at 10 in the morning and people were queuing around the block. <laughs> so I went up to some of their little chat. I said, well, what are you doing? So if I'm most honest, what time did you stop? We left Bolton at two. They were so keen to be part of the show, they'd given all night to get there. And, you know, you know what we've got in America? When we did the show from Philadelphia outside the prison where Al Capone had been incarcerated, where there was a death row, where there were horrible beds with shackles on, the American fans, which is 10 times more populous than this country, you would have a rock in your trailer to try and get it. You must have felt like, you know, Mick Jagger, but with bushels. <laughs> I remember it very well. Don't you remember us saying, oh, my God, isn't there some sort of, like, is there a band here or something? Why are there all the crowds of people? And they said, no, 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 it's for you guys. And we were like, what? Yeah. Well, they were, they were taking, one of the sound men was smoking outside, okay, and he threw the cigarette butt down. I saw one of the American fans pick it up and put it in as a souvenir. <laughs> and I'm thinking, with the best one in the world, mate, he's a lovely fellow, the sound guy, but he, you're not going to get much on eBay for that, are you? <laughs> but that, that, was a, that was a real marathon. That was a marathon for you guys, though. I was always know of how you're, you kept your focus. Because when I, when I threw, as they say, telly to you guys doing a live OB, I was in something to sit down, read the script, talk to the audience, have a cup of coffee. You were on, on a, that show was eight hours long. And you must have been on air, in vision, on air, for almost seven hours of that. And to keep your focus and also to keep control of your, at times, it must have been terrifying sometimes in there because it really was a creepy place by definition. A, a prison, abandoned prison with a death row on it where people used to be executed. It doesn't come much more most haunted live than that, does it? In fact, most haunted dead. Do you know, it's uh, one of my memories is me and the makeup lady, Kath, uh, having to, t- to go for a wee um, in the bushes. There was like sort of a bit of a, I think it was like the old exercise yard and all the weeds and, and stuff had come up and it's yeah, the only right. place we could go for a wee and it was one of those quick whip your pants to the side do a wee get it get, get back in there and get back on air and it, it was it was it was a seven hour uh straight do you remember the american cruise though because they didn't they couldn't understand where the knocking was and they thought people were hiding and and faking it I mean, to me, it's I arrived like that. I arrived sceptical, yeah. borderline, doubtful on the show. I never saw it. I mean, I was on it for what, over a course of like three years, went all over this country, all over the, all over the world pretty much. And I, was, I never saw anything that was faked or untoward. There was never any element of research about the places you were going to, all the medium clairvoyance. I mean, that's why, that's why our, you know, your friend of mine, Kieran, was there, the, the parapsychologist, because he was very objective. And the American crew were doing things like they would, they would suddenly turn and move a, a bit of equipment, thinking that somebody was lurking behind it, because you could quite clearly hear. And also, I remember that one clearly because there were little kind of chitching noises near where we were. And I'm thinking, there must be a logical explanation for this. And then I realised after a couple of months, no, there wasn't. It was kind of following the crew around. You know, when you say you're walking to exercise, I don't know if I've ever told you this. We had a historian on that show, I don't know if you remember the chat. Sometimes when, if you were relocating, I had to, I had to waffle a bit. So I'd get guests in, experts. And we had a guy we didn't use very much. But when you were in that court, when you said you wandered out to the courtyard, which is not what you were weird, you do it, but we said, you know, knew where you'd gone. He said, oh, he said, I think that's the courtyard where they used to bury the unclaimed, executed prisoners. Oh, God. So when you think about that, that whole place was like a cauldron of death. And I weed on it. <laughs> you did. I mean, and you know what? You know what? It was a show where, and again, I'm not saying just saying this because you're on here, but it was a show when... When money was spent on it, like the old days of ITV, you know, I first started in television 
long before you even did that, but I was, I was behind the camera. In 1982, like a long time ago, before Channel 4 lots, before there was breakfast telly, and they used to spend an awful lot of money making programmes look great. I've never, and over the years, that money's been eroded, dwindled down. Until I watched the most haunted, because not only things like flying and stuff, the pool shit, I'm not going to watch Romania. I remember the Romania trip, it was amazing. I've a week with it spent there, but, but the cameras, the equipment, the state of the art editing facilities, and the effort and the love the team put into it. It was like the, it was like the early days, it was pioneering television all over again. It was like the early days of ITV, must have been, because you weren't making up as you went along, you were creating a whole new genre, which now other people, you know, you blazed the trail, you and Charles, you cut through the jungle of television with those, you know, most haunted live um, machetes. And other people have followed, but being there at the time and the money that was spent by you, by living, by other people, was just remarkable to me because I'm, I was so used to penny pinching for years that suddenly I was thinking, this is how all TV should be made. If there's a problem, everybody gets to get to solve it. And by the way, if you need to, you spend money on it. You don't compromise. You never compromise, you guys. No, and you know, it, you're quite right. It, it, it has all changed now and it, it's such a shame. And you know, I mean, I'd love to get your yeah. thoughts because lots, lots of the paranormal. TV shows on at the moment are are American, and they spend a lot. They have a massive yeah. budget on each show that they spend, and it's such a shame because there's hardly any English paranormal shows. And I just think, why is that? What? Why? Why has this country suddenly gone? Well, let's give it all over to the Americans. Don't get me wrong. I, I love America, and I love Americans, but it just seems a shame that we're sort of we've passed the baton on and allowed. Uh, another country to come along and take over. They don't feel confident building a story because they're in an ad break before you know it. And the other thing I think is a real problem, and this is something that Kieran and I talked about when we were in um, Philadelphia. Kieran O'Keefe, of course, our, our PhD doctor, Kieran O'Keefe, parapsychologist, and he said people who were local who said they were clairvoyant meetings, I'm sure they were, they couldn't pick up on the cultural references of people from the UK. If you're making a show in the UK, you need to have a UK team on it because you know, it's almost like if there are spirits, and I'm, you know, my mind's still open, but those things will respond, whatever they are, entities, call them what you will, I'm disrespectful. They'll respond better to people who understand almost the shared language. I mean, George Bernard Shaw once said that the USA and England mm. are separated, divided by a common language, and that's very true. They wouldn't have picked up on the cultural references, they wouldn't have known what it was like, you know, how, how dreadful Victorian era was for poor people, that kind of thing. I was talking to one of the American crew about that, how that Philadelphia was regarded as most paradise. Irish immigrants because it was a, a city of street lights where people could get an honest yeah. day's work and you know, in Ireland around the time they started getting to Philadelphia people were starving yeah. to death now if you don't know that you're not going to understand who's trying to communicate with you for, you know over here and even over in the States you need to know and also if there's anything else isn't it you know yes there are plenty of people who sailed across the Atlantic and found the Americas after Columbus but there was only one Columbus and without being a jerk and being too much of a creep you and Carl were the Christopher Columbus and Magellan of supernatural television because you, you, you voyage into terrifying uncharted waters yeah. and once you've done it, oh, we can do this, we can do that. And then, of course, what happens is they start to think we can do it cheaper, which means, never means better, it always means words and it means you repeat stuff. I mean, when you think, we also used to do the kind of preview shows, didn't we? We did the after show when we took emails and things from people. But again, that was all classic. We were very ahead of your time on the social media, brilliantly ahead of time. And when we were in Romania, I mean, we basically took over that castle, but you kind of, the, the crew we took over there and the crew that was you basically took over that small town near Bladby and Payless Castle, genuinely, because it felt like, and it felt like it, what it was, was it reminded me of one of the few times I've been on a decent movie set. I had a tiny, tiny part of the first Bridget Jones film. In the end, you see a, literally a cardboard cutout of me, just hear a bit of my voice. But that had that same feeling of, 
an army descending on something. And that's what it was. There was the, there was the most fortunate like, army. There were the generals, we know how they were. I was probably like a, a lieutenant or somebody. And there were the team, the infantry then. But it was, I mean, you must have travelled to that, on that team. You must have travelled with at least, what, 25, 30 people, something like that. Yeah. It was a massive crew. People running in lorries. And when you think, and for you, it was... It was, it was your circus, if you like. As an outsider, I'm thinking, I've never worked on television on this scale before. It was like a feature film. Everyone, and it was a feature film that ran over the course of weeks or weekends sometimes, 20, 30 hours. I mean, it's an amazing time in my career. And you know, God bless you for letting me, let me in on it. It was wonderful. Oh, that, well, we couldn't have done it without you. It was absolutely amazing. So moving on from Most Haunted Live, how are you... Cause I always remember like coming up to you and saying, "What did you think to that? What did you, did you hear that? Did you hear that?" And you were, you were all for it. Like, bless you, <laughs> being being abducted and taken and put in various locations because we wanted to, we wanted you to experience something paranormal, and you did. I remember when we, we were on a freezing cold? It must have been around um, around Halloween, and we went to an abandoned airbase in on the Norfolk Suffolk borders. Right? Do you remember? Oh, this? RAF Raynham, one of my favourites ever. It's the best. Right, well, I was doing a link, as you said the camera outside I was just walking along nothing near me and, I, and we put this and they showed it I'm walking along I didn't have gloves on but so what I'm saying and now coming up after the break remember everything you see you can comment on, and I got to the end of the link I felt a really sharp pain in my left hand no and a cut has appeared from nowhere do you remember that no a cut had appeared from nowhere on my hand yeah and you had one you did a little yeah you did the link to so much was going on in that night you said and it did. I was looking. I was quite shocked. I must say. And of course, the medical people they put some stuff on it. But and I, I didn't touch anything. There was no like barbed wire fence. Nothing near me. And genuinely, suddenly, it was like it looked tiny, tiny like a wow. It's about about getting on for an inch across it at my left hand. And it was like somebody kind of taking a bit bit bite out of the slightly fleshy part of the palm of your hand. And again, there was no rational explanation there. And, and you know, Kieran O'Keefe was great because him and I. I mean, I really respect him. He's a great, lovely fella, but great on telly and a great academic. And he would say, there are some things, though, that they happen like you simply can't explain. And he talked then about how this has often been a very interesting point of view. He said things like, we can't explain why we fall in love with people, but without that, we would not have human yeah. civilization. And we don't, we never get to the bottom. We never understand it. There are things that I have to accept that Shakespeare wrote in Hamlet. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. And one of them was, how come poor old Paul was got a great big scrape, a cut on it? It wasn't even a scratch, it was a cut. And in fact, the nurse, when the medical said, wow. have you been bitten? Like he said, have you been bit by a wildcat? I don't, I don't, I must have been so fraught with what was going on. And I'm obviously on the night, I must have heard about it. Wow. I mean, to hear you now talking about it just blows my mind. It just adds to that location. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my name is Mark Thompson, your guide aboard the Constellation Station podcast. Tune in every Monday for your weekly guide to all things going on in the skies above the UK that week. From meteor showers to comets and eclipses to supernova explosions, I will have it all. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from. But until then, let's hope for some clear skies. But moving forward now, where, where do you sit spiritually? You know, as in life, you know, you go through life, you have great times, you have shit times, all the rest of it. Uh, would you say you're a spiritual person now, especially knowing what you know now and having experienced some paranormal activity? Um, you know, or are you religious or just spiritual? What are your beliefs? I'm not religious with a big R. I don't believe in a, well, I've yet to believe in a personal God who cares about me individually. But being my sort of life made me much more open to new things. And what it also made me realise was that I had, there's an arrogance in atheism. And, I'm, you know, if you're an atheist, that's fine, but there's an arrogance in saying, definitively, there is no higher power. I prefer to think there's a higher power. A very good friend of mine is going through recovery, and they talk a lot in, in AA and NA, Narcotics Anonymous, about you have to have faith in a higher power. Not maybe the way we think of God. And I think there's an arrogance if you say you're an atheist, because I look around at things like, when I'm looking at, I'm sitting in my, uh, my dining room, surrounded by my books, you know, I love my books. I'm looking at the garden, and I'm thinking, there's no way that that, I mean, I'm doing the truth. Why would it have evolved and why would I have evolved without some guy to appreciate the beauty of that? That doesn't serve any evolutionary purpose. The fact that human beings write poetry, you could argue, because it was to woo women. But actually, some poetry is so stark but brilliant, something else is going on. And I'm, I'm thinking, I haven't got the arrogance to say, um, you know, there's nothing there. So I, I think I'm moving towards more being agnostic and I'm also moving towards more thinking there's some kind of, without saying like a Star Wars nut, there's some kind of life field, energy field unifier that does connect us all. Because, and I don't mean directly maybe, but I mean in the sense that, you know, again, even though we've had hugely different civilizations, the basic bedrock of it is what Kieran identified, which is love and coming together. And no matter how many psychopaths and degenerate leaders and people try and crush that, it, it always comes back up. But that wouldn't happen in the animal kingdom. In the animal kingdom, the people who were the meek and the weak disappear from the tree of life. In fact, we look back in our history and we are constantly being shaped by the likes of Gandhi, by Jesus, by Mohammed, by people like, you know, by Fry, the founder of the Quakers, all these people, you know, the, the Wesley brothers, the Methodists, it doesn't have to be that, the Buddha, when you think about it. You know, and you think, well, actually, there's something happening in us that we're yearning for something more. And maybe that is, as some spiritualists believe, essentially, I've been to a few spiritualist churches since we started, it's just that fascination, but maybe we are 
we are evolving into the next stage. Maybe it's an element stage of our bodies, or maybe it's a stage where we're much more connected. And I'm reminded of it because I have a very, I do a radio show for TalkSport and Talk Radio every night. So I'm on, so I'm standing to tie. I'm on, I'm one to five, five nights a week. And we have a regular guy who's one of the world's leading, works at the world's leading astrophysicist called Andy Loud. And he talks a lot about this thing where we're investigating a dark energy and dark matter. And he says it's holding the universe together. We're investigating it constantly. The more we find out about it, the few parts of space that we don't know what's in them, and it's this dark energy and also known as dark matter. And he said, more and more, he said, we're starting to believe the answers in philosophy and religion, and it is like the force, because we can't explain it any other way. We, don't we talk about the laws of gravity. We don't understand what causes gravity. We just know that there is gravity, thank goodness. Similarly, we don't know what's holding the or the universe is slowly expanding still. This dark energy and dark matter is out there, and actually, when you think about it, it's very close to thoughts of the Holy Spirit, it's very close to the force, it's very close. Every religion has had that notion of some, whether it's an individual consciousness or a unifying force field, if you like. And now we know scientists are investigating it, and they're scratching you know, just thinking, they call it, some of them, the God particle. So there you go. I can't argue with the scientists. It's a, it, when you put it all like that, to me, it's just... It's amazing, isn't it? There's so much of it. I always say so much of it. We've only just, we, we haven't even scratched the surface really, have we? I mean, we've got certain things we know about or we think we know about or the theories um, and, and religious figures like we talk about. And it, it really fascinates me. Moving on, what do you think about all the revelations of um, UFO sightings and the Pentagon rele you know, releasing all this footage that they've been keeping secret for years? I think maybe a lot of that still is. I mean, I know there are, again, there are unexplained things. I mean, the band, the Foo Fighters, got their name because in the RF Air Force, oh, sorry, the American Air Force, highly secret wing of the Air Force called the UFO Fighters. And, they were, and their whole job was to somehow shepherd these things away. Now, they deny that now, these days, the Pentagon, but we know it happened because there's documents about it. I kind of think a lot of that, though, was they weren't released because I think a lot of it was prototype weapons and the Cold War was on. And they were keeping things like stealth bomb a secret. But again, there are things that happened out in Suffolk. In the early 80s, the News of the World, which is then the biggest telepaper in this country, and it wasn't like the Daily Sports, it wasn't even like the Daily Star. It was a newspaper, and it had on the front page, UFO lands in Suffolk official. And that was covered up, and there have now been explanations, went very far fetched. Something happened, that was about 1983, 84, I think it was. And these things keep occurring. Now, my concern would be, that actually there are, you know, anything that's come this far to look at this, or even not coming a spaceship or whatever, is going to be far above us in planes of intelligence. Hopefully they will have evolved to be more compassionate than us. What must they make of us? What must they look down and think, you've got your potential, seriously, you've such potential, and I'm not, I'm not being politically, but you're exactly, look who in the past hundred years we've chosen to lead us. You know, Hitler was democratically elected. When you think about that, you think, I despair of human beings. But I'm not against the Germans or that, I'll just say that is a fact. Hitler was democratically elected. You're up there whizzing around, you're thinking, these people aren't ready for contact yet. They're not ready for the great technological gifts we can give them, or even the spiritual gifts, because they might turn, our species turns everything into weapons if we're not careful, which is why I'm very worried about AI. Yes. Which is trying to invent our own consciousness, our own God particle. But unfortunately, yes. if we let that genie out the bottle, it may look around and think there's a real curse on planet Earth. It's causing pollution and spreading disease. If those pink and brown things called human beings, I'm going to get rid of them all, like Skynet does in Terminator. We've got to be very careful. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I totally, I totally and utterly agree with everything. The late, the late Professor Hawkins, right, short, obviously shortly before he died, once said, he said, the biggest threat coming to humanity, he said, 
won't be another pandemic. It won't be UFOs or extraterrestrials. The biggest threat to human existence on planet Earth is artificial intelligence. Now, Professor Stephen Hawking says it. We better sit up and listen, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you who I... I, I I don't like it. I don't, every time I see his face, I think, Ooh, and that's Elon Musk. I think he's very dangerous. He speaks highly of you, Yvette. <laughs> <laughs> there's that, I mean, there's a film out in a couple of weeks' time directed by that great director, Christopher Nolan, who made one of the Batman films, but he also directed who's up like Memento, and it's, it's called Oppenheimer, and it's about the man who, the father of the atomic bomb, an American scientist. Yeah, Killian Murphy's starring in, isn't he? That's right. Mr. Peaky Blind, who was, a, I think it was a scarecrow, one of the Batman films directed by Christopher Nolan. And in that, Oppenhauer, a genius physicist, used the work of yeah. Einstein other people and said, look, this is possible. Nuclear, nuclear fission is possible. And he realised the destructive power. When they, when they tested the first atomic bomb, he wasn't sure it wouldn't blow up the whole of planet Earth. He thought it might never stop planets splitting their particles, which it did. But he said, the only reason we're doing this is because if we don't, we know Hitler and the Nazis will. And that was true for him to compensate. But, you know, and thank God, yeah. in, since yeah. 1945, August, no atomic bomb has been exploded as a, as a weapon of war. So we have been remarkably restrained, given some of the terrible things that happened in the Cold War, but there's no guarantee that will be there forever. And we've got this terrifying, we've got this amazing gift of nuclear power and the terrifying weapon of nuclear destruction. And we've had those kind of things down through history. The urge to care and the urge to destroy, the urge to build and the urge to tear down. And I'm just hoping that eventually the right hand of good or whatever, you know, that the urge to build, create, protect and be compassionate will survive and the other will slowly dwindle. But so far, there's no real sign. What's happening in Ukraine? Now, I I mean, it's more more complicated, that whole situation than people realise. But we have, in what looks like for us, I think the park war is going to happen somewhere that look a bit different to us, you know, somewhere in Africa, say, or somewhere in South America. This is happening to people recognisably European, trying to take their children to school, and missiles are raining, drone attacks are happening. And you think, this is the year 2023. Have we really learned nothing? And the answer is, you know what? No, we bloody well haven't sometimes. No, we haven't. We've not, we've not learned a damn thing. And it's very strange because this sort of proof of, um, I think the Americans were talking about it, saying that whenever that we've come close to some sort of nuclear, you know, they've armed nuclear weapons or whatever, they've always had UFO sightings around those bases. Yeah. And I think there's a, I can't remember the case, but the actual nuclear um, armaments were actually unexplainably, they just wouldn't work. They lost power. And there is th- there is this crazy thought in my head that we're being watched and it's like, no, nah, you've been given too much. That's not happening. We're going to stop that from happening. Maybe, I don't know. It sounds crazy, but I think AI uh, definitely is, is the road to our ruination. I really, really don't. It frightens the hell out of me. It really does. And, and let's be honest. I mean, I think in human history, you look back at things in the Old Testament, you look back at things in Babylonian mythology, you look back at what the ancient Greeks and Romans talked about, and they were trying to explain the unexplained in terms they all understood. So they talked about gods, or they talked about demons, or they talked about um, flying chariots. Now they've been there, every culture, down through since the beginning of human civilization, every culture. And that must mean to the, you know, as circumstantial evidence alone, that something is going on, but we don't understand these people. We don't know all these creatures or whatever they are, these beings. We don't understand their emotions. Thankfully, they always seem benign. So we explain it. We explain the unexplained by saying, well, you know, people saying, oh, they're, they're flying sources, they're rockets, only because we live in the rocket era. 500 years ago, they were saying chariots in the sky or, or, 
angels. They talked about angels with flaming swords. Well, it doesn't take a great deal of imagination to think people who didn't understand about ray guns or about weaponry like that would probably think that a, a burst of fire or a burst of energy coming, a laser coming through something, was like a fiery sword of an angel. It made it made them. A, it wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't make them any feel any more easy. I thought it was the last judgment, but it, it explained what they couldn't otherwise explain. And I think we're going through that now with our focus. Exactly. Science is a new religion. But it's a religion without love. Yeah, exactly. So they would have described it or drawn yeah, it as a fiery yeah, dragon yeah. or as a, you know, a fiery fiery angel. You see, I I I believe very much in the ancient alien theory. You know, I really do. It, it works well with me that I think, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Some of the oldest, I can't remember what it was, but one of the oldest drawings or paintings, there actually is a flying saucer shooting rays out of it. And this painting is ancient, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's Neolithic. So it's as old as, if not older than Stonehenge. And you've got these, things that nobody, and, and, and they, those cave, those images have cave paintings, which I've seen some of those in the south of France. It's really weird to look for something that's, Seven, eight, nine, ten thousand years old, but they were done mainly for ritual and religious reasons. And so they, they've done that in what to what to placate these creatures from, and they don't understand to kind of, you know, to kind of I don't know what it's to try and control it to understand or part or to pass down a warning and a message to their children's 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 children who come after them, basically saying you are not alone, but watch what you do because these things will also in the end maybe eventually judge us. Do you know what? I've missed you. We should sit down with a nice big massive jug of coffee one day, loads of cakes, and just put the world to rights. Yeah, wait, 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 crazy talk. We meet in a pub and we drink red wine and we solve all the problems <laughs> of the universe. Or beer. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. So basically, you are now on the radio five days a week, aren't you? Like you said before. Yeah, well, you know, kind of, uh, with so many ex-wives behind me and so many children, I've got to keep working. <laughs> well, but I, I love it. I mean, you know, you know, radio is like it's, it's kind of you don't need makeup. It doesn't matter that you. you know, I don't have to get dressed up particularly. I, I win my way. It kept me sane during the lockdown because we were regarded slightly bizarre, flattering this as like vital workers. So I had somewhere to go five days a week. I drove through London that looks like it's crazy, disintegrating. Posters chipping away, foxes oh and rats were playing the streets. It really was an odd time, but I kept working. But I kept working, and that kind of kept me sane. And you know, I'm not, I love to. I mean, basically, you're you're the same as me in that way. In that, you know, we we know how lucky we are to do this because if you do something you love, it's not work, isn't it? That's the thing. That's why you know, great writers write to almost Dickens would die at his writing desk. And I'm not saying I'm like Charles Dickens. I'm more like you know, some proper Charlie. But actually. You know, I, I don't see the reason. I don't see. I mean, I don't see the reason to stop doing this because I love it. And as long as you always puts up with me, I'll keep doing it somewhere and just kind of, you know, you know, it's a question of showing off, trying to inform people and trying to explain things to myself. That's why I do a lot of news. I don't. It's not that I say I've got the answers. It's just that I'm. I've got questions myself. I want them answered from the experts we got on the program. So you know, me and Carl always say you're the most amazing. You've got the most amazing mind. I think we've ever met. I've never met anybody. That I remember we did. Do you remember that joke we did where you had to fit so many strange words into oh, yes, that's right. uh, sentences yeah. live on air? Yeah. And I think we gave you something like 10 or something. Oh, my God, you got them all in beautifully, succinctly. Such a pro. It was amazing. But, uh, I remember mean, one of them, I think, was spatula, which is very tricky to work <laughs> into a link to the break on most sorts of love. I think I said something like, but you know, you know what things are like. Sometimes you, you prepare for every eventuality and then something you've forgotten, maybe a spatula. And, and <laughs> people might sit at home and thought, what the heck? What did you mention a spatula? But it's because you inflicted it on me. That's uh, right. Crazy. I mean, you know, again, head of the club, 
interactions with the audience, works at the rolls across the screen, people see their names on it and put their questions to Kieran and people. Fabulous show. Oh, well, do you know, honestly, if it were to come back, well, obviously, you'd be the first person we phoned. And um, and we should get together soon because I know Carl would love to see you. Definitely. Yeah, well, that's the date. So give us a shout when you get down to uh, down south, as we say down here. And, uh, and we'll, you know, I will. We'll, down we'll south. Give our love to your family and thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy hearing your gorgeous voice. Marvellous. And remember, don't sleep well, do have nightmares. Most haunted lives one day will return. <laughs> Get in touch with us and share your stories at this address. It's at contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. We are on WhatsApp and here's the number 075-999-27537. We are on Instagram where we share all our socials, um, pictures, videos, uh, so on. And the handle for that is at Paranormal Activity Pod. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And we'll be back again same time next week. But if you can't wait until then, visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early. Have a great week. Stay safe. And if anything strange, spooky or paranormal happens to you or occurs, report back to base and let me know. But in the meantime, remember, things aren't always as they seem. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.